We're live. Oh, fantastic. All right. All right okay. if, you're, if you're watching live, we've had a few technical issues already. Uh, uh, yeah. Just for a change. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, so welcome to the Stand Up Australia podcast, Stand Up Sits Down With, a contrarian conversation rebutting the mainstream narrative. Now, I seem to have lost you now. Um, Robin, where have you gone? Oh, no, there I'm you back. are. I'm back. There you're back. You're back. Okay, yeah. So um, today we're joined again by Robin Shooter. Uh, every second week we get joined by Robin. So how you going, Robin? I'm. I was going to say I'm well, but actually it's been one of those weeks. You know, just one of those ones where you go, oh, can I keep doing this? But anyway, here I am. <laughs> Yep, I've had plenty of those weeks over the last, uh, Haven't we all? you know, 40 years. Uh, <laughs> so any anything you wanted to, to sort of tell us before we start or no, anything you're working no, on? Let's, let's just jump in. We, we, got, we got, well, now I, I do have something I'm working on. I'm a bit late with getting my sub stack out for, for this week, but um, um, I, it's a big juicy one. It's about war propaganda. So that that's all I'm that's all I'm gonna say because it's a teaser. So if you want to read about war propaganda, go visit my Substack, RobinTudor.substack.com. There you go. Shameless plug. Excellent, excellent. Please go there, guys. So awesome Substack. I read it every week, and also you've got an awesome podcast that comes with it. So. If you can't be bothered reading or you're driving, just jump into that and she'll <laughs> yeah, do it yeah. for you. It's, it's great for, for people who just like, oh, my God, I can't, I don't have time to read, but I can listen. I can listen while I'm hanging the washing out, walking the dog, driving the car, that sort of thing. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, all right. So I just wanted to start off. We're just going to go through what we've got coming on at Stand Up Australia. As you can see here, if you're watching the live stream, I'm not sure how well this is streaming at the moment because we have had to improvise, but... Uh, we've got our community connect meeting um which is in well we just had one so the next one's in 10 days so join up to that we've also got our stand-up webinar building powerful relationships between animals and humans with romy bula on thursday the 29th of june at 8 p.m so registration is now open just click on that link there and that'll take you to the page and then you can grab a ticket there just for a small donation uh, whatever you want, really. It can be a, a dollar, it can be a thousand dollars, up to you. So um, today on the show, we're going to be discussing pandemic non-pharmaceutical interventions reviewed. Did they make a difference? The answers probably won't surprise you. The Voice, are we in danger of becoming South Africa 2.0? Daniel Andrews, highest paid premier in Australia and best friend of the lobbyist. And number four is Forever Chemicals and Cancer Link. Did government try to cover it up to avoid undue alarm or they're just trying to save their own skin once again cool so let's jump into the first story here robin let's do it so this is from the age and it's uh all the stuff you didn't do so all the stuff you did in lockdown we don't know how well it worked still after three years apparently so Last week's examine covered the lack of evidence to show Victoria's $113 million school air purifier program actually prevented infections in students. Riled a lot of people. Those who don't believe in air purifiers found a government policy to get angry about. Those who do complained I unfairly maligned them by ignoring all the mechanical studies showing that COVID-19 was in the air and B, air purifiers sucked it out. So this author doesn't buy either of you simply frustrated at seeing an expensive government policy rolled out with no effort to monitor if it actually worked. 
Sounds a lot like the uh, the COVID nineteen vaccines, doesn't it? So, but these are non farm. Sounds a lot vaccines. like absolutely everything that was inflicted on us and most of the people in most parts of the world. Did any of it work? How the hell would they know? Because there was no cost benefit analysis done, and you know, as we've talked about before, it wasn't in alignment with any country's pandemic preparedness plan. No, no, it certainly was not. So, um, so if you cast your mind back, if you dare to the dark days of lockdown, we deployed an arsenal of non-pharmaceutical interventions to prevent infection. So I'm going to run through these here, and it starts off by saying that, you know, obviously these work because the flu dropped down, as you can see by the graph we have here, you know, either that or it got relabeled um, as... COVID, yes, indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's the issue, says Associate Professor James Trower at Monash University Epidemiologist, is it's really hard to tease out individual effects of each policy because almost invariably across the world, these were implemented as a packet. Consider Melbourne's lockdowns. We locked down, but we also mandated mask wearing and we limited our travel to five kilometre radius. It's difficult to, to disentangle those interventions using observational studies. We won, but we don't precisely know how we won. So we're still going we on this sort what? of- We won we, what? Sorry, I, I, excuse me. What, what, what did we win? Like, what are they saying was the benefit of any of this? I, I cannot believe that they actually believe that there was any advantage gained by Australia from anything that, that we did. What, what is the win? Yeah, yeah. This is the thing. There's still we're still talking about winning because we managed to hold off the virus for for so long. Um, and then and everyone then... went and got their got their shot. And then you know we're still clocking up. I haven't looked late lately, but last time I did, uh, twenty thousand supposed new COVID infections a week. Yeah, that's winning, really. Yeah, define losing. Yeah, like these the. Um these excess deaths we're seeing now it kind of reminds me of something peter said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast which was about oil prices um about petrol prices sorry and last year you saw a massive increase and it was huge i've just seen the abs data um recently i'll, I'll drop a link in with the abs data but the the first uh quarter of this year has been put on there now and excess deaths are down by half but they're still like a lot above historical above average. Yeah. Not, not even above. There are still a lot above, just not astronomical yeah. amounts. So, you know, Peter, in a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, people will say to me now when uh, petrol's $1.75, oh, petrol's cheap. He goes, no, it's not. It's it's still really expensive. You've just gotten used to it. So uh, I think now yeah. we're, we're seeing excess deaths dropping, but they're still really high. And I think they're going to stay like that as well. Um, but anywho, this isn't about the excess deaths. This is about the these non-pharmaceutical interventions. So, and this talks about the Cochrane Institute here, which um, did the study, and this is the gold standard, as we, we spoke about a few weeks ago. And it said, uh, had a crack at finding high-quality and randomized controlled trials of hand-washing, disinfecting surfaces, wearing eye protection, isolating or quarantining or physical distancing earlier this year. I could It could find randomized studies of only mask wearing and hand hygiene, and even then, the study on masks were mixed. So they weren't really mixed, were they? They they weren't mixed. Uh, mask wearing masks, anything from the bandana through through to the you know the high end masks, it doesn't work. 
it's never been shown to to work reliably um, in any setting, including among healthcare workers. So I, I don't know what they mean by me. So no, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it do, it it doesn't work because it says here mechanically it seems like these interventions should work, but mechanical evidence and modelling matters little. Oh, and modelling matters little when science hits reality. Masks yeah, because humans example. are not mechanical. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> Give them time, they're working on it. <laughs> well, this is the, the biggest thing in this article. We know they filter out viruses, but we also know viruses um, can affect us in other ways. <laughs> how, how, I, I'm, no, 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 no. Wait, go back there. We know they filter out viruses. Really? Is that why it says on the pack that this, this mask doesn't stop viruses? I mean, what are they talking about? I know it's it's crazy. It's you know like they, they filter out viruses. Yeah, they really don't. They there there is uh, okay. So if you're looking at a droplet infection, because droplets are quite large, then masks do reduce the passage of droplets to a degree. But but you know, if you if you let let's just say the entire COVID narrative that we've been presented with in terms of the SARS-CoV two virus and and methods of transmission let's let's just say for argument's sake that all of that is accurate so it has been known for several years now that the primary route of transmission is is aerosols not droplets so a mask has some chance of, of blocking um droplet transmission to some degree it has absolutely no chance whatsoever of of, of blocking aerosolized virus okay because the the, the pores uh, and um N95s are going to reduce aerosol transmission, but but not not block it entirely. Cloth masks, no hope, no hope whatsoever of blocking transmission of aerosolized viral particles. Yeah, absolutely not. Like, and as you said, even on the packets of those uh, medical masks, it says the same. Not meant to stop a virus. I mean, there's mm. been. I think the only thing the Cochrane studies found was there was a a slight decrease in um in viruses when the masks. N95 masks were worn and fitted properly in a hospital setting. Yes, and even then, it wasn't it wasn't total it wasn't total protection. But compare that to the reality of of community masking. You know, people dangling the mask off off their ear and then putting it back on again, taking it off and putting it back on, or wearing N95s but they haven't been fit tested. Or for God's sake, men with beards wearing masks. Oh yeah, give me I mean, a break. I saw one of my favourite ones the other day. Well, it was pretty tragic, really, just an old lady waiting for a, a bus down in Macravat there and um, and she had one of those medical masks on and she clearly had a cold or something because there was just like mucus or something like coming, you could see it coming out of the front of the mask. It was it was just very sad. People, these people have just been brainwashed so much into thinking they're yeah. going to die that they just continue to do this sort of stuff. Yeah. So... This also sort of uh, talks about um, many of these studies were poorly designed using faulty or incompatible measures, meaning we can't combine data into big data sets. In hindsight, this was madness. Even as the evidence mounted that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine did not work, we still keep running new and better studies. Monash University continues to recruit people for his ivermectin study with an exclamation point at the end. But we couldn't design and fund high-quality studies of physical distancing 
because yeah. this is this is just so extraordinary. I mean, you can go on um, C19 early and and pull up the complete evidence base for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And there is no doubt that that when used appropriately, and this means used at the appropriate time. Um, for the appropriate duration in the appropriate amounts, there is no doubt whatsoever that both ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine work as, as either pre-exposure prophylaxis or to um, to stop to, to keep people out of hospital and to and to keep them alive. So the, the, this whole thing of no um, mounting evidence that they don't work. Well, if you so in the case of the hydroxychloroquine trials, the ones that that, that supposedly found that hydroxy doesn't work, use doses that that are known to be lethal. So they overdosed in the case of hydroxychloroquine. And there, um, I believe it is Brazil. Yeah, it is Brazil. They're actually criminal charges against uh, one of the, um, or against some of the people involved in, in the, the arm of the uh, hydroxychloroquine trial that took place in, in Brazil. Like they're charging these people with murder. They kill people with doses of hydroxychloroquine that are known to be toxic. In the case of ivermectin, they actually do the opposite because ivermectin is really difficult to get a toxic dose of. It's so safe. They underdose them intentionally. They they underdose the most obese people by, by um, so Ivermectin is, is dose based on patient weight and they had an arbitrary cutoff at a certain BMI point. Now, um, aside from the elderly, the other group that it was a, that was at high risk of serious illness and, and, and death from COVID, whatever COVID is, were, were, were obese people. So why would you have an arbitrary weight-based cutoff? That, that resulted in the underdosing of the people who were most at risk of, of serious outcomes from, from COVID, again, whatever COVID is. Yeah, so yeah, these, yeah. these these trials were sabotaged. Very like they were set up to to look to make it look like these drugs failed, and even then they actually succeeded. But um, some outcome, like the the important outcomes, in many cases failed to reach statistical significance, and that was largely a sampling size error or like a, a, a limitation of, of small sampling size. Yeah, I heard RFK say on RFK Junior say the other day on the on the um the Joe Rogan podcast as well. He was on the 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 hydroxychloroquine studies that were done in i think it was brazil where they just gave them enormous amounts which would you know yeah that's be almost guaranteed yeah, that, to kill you. um it well it didn't just take place in brazil um that that there was that was a multi-center trial brazil is the only place where i know there are criminal charges that have been brought against yeah. the people responsible for running that but that that so that was the uh solidarity trial uh, I think it was solidarity, but don't quote me on that. But that that was a multi-center trial, so there were there were other um, uh, places in which that that trial was conducted, and they did the same thing. They used lethal doses, known lethal doses. The only thing that RFK Junior got wrong in that was he was he said that that ivermectin was overdosed as well. That's actually incorrect. Yeah. Ivermectin was underdosed. Hydroxy was overdosed. It's a very hard no, drug to overdose on, isn't it, ivermectin? Uh, there, and there is no way that, that the people administering that dose did not know that it was a toxic dose. There's no way that they didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. And uh, apparently Bill Gates was involved in that study too. So, Yeah, big surprise. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Someone who's trying to sell the vaccine, funnily enough. Mm. Um, this is another interesting little line here from the article. It says, even, if, even the few high-quality studies of masks we had were funded by charities, not governments. Uh, what do you charity? think that was? Yep. But which charities? Mm. And which charities? But also, like, they probably don't get funded a lot of these studies either because they know what they'll find. They know that it will just come up. If, it's, if it is a, a very well-funded study, 
It's just going to mm. show they don't work, just like the Cochrane study. I mean, the, obviously Indeed. the Cochrane study was a, a meta a meta study, wasn't it? So it wasn't. Yeah, Co- Cochrane doesn't do study. their own research, but no. they do conduct meta analyses. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, the so is the two explanations for for this behaviour by government are incompetence and 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 malice. So you know this this is the Hanlon's razor question. Um, so uh, incompetence is actually. Incompetence does account for a lot. Governments want to be seen to be doing something. And as long as they can say, we're spending X amount of money on this and look at our policy, we're doing something, then, then you know, in general, unfortunately, because the public is, is, is poorly educated, in general, if government can say, we're doing something, the public will go, oh, good, they're doing something. Oh, our taxes are paying for something. The last thing in the world that government wants to do is spend money evaluating the thing that they did, okay? They, yeah. just, they just want to be able to have headlines about the thing that they're doing. They they certainly don't want to um, get involved in, in cost-benefit analyses of what they're doing because there's a very high chance that, that what they're doing is, is going to turn out to be wildly not cost-effective. And in, in the case of the masking, you know, we, we've talked on several different occasions about the pandemic preparedness plan that Australia had in place that was revised in August of 2019, okay? So a couple of months before the first um, case of COVID was identified. And it very clearly says in that plan that community masking basically doesn't have value. So it's not like it's not like they didn't know. Oh no, we didn't know how to manage a pandemic. Yes, they did. They had the evidence. It was in a plan. That that plan draws on things like the previous Cochrane analyses of all of these non-pharmaceutical interventions, as did all the other countries' plans. There wasn't a single country's pandemic preparedness plan that said community masking, do it. It's great. It works. None of them did. Most of them advised against it, and those that were sort of equivocal about it said, "Well, you know, they, they might work. They're, it's kind of logical that 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 they would, maybe, um, but we don't have any high quality evidence that 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 community masking works." Yeah, I think the only argument you can make is if if you're sick, maybe it might stop a sneeze. Um, yeah, it doesn't work for source control because Cochrane have looked at that as well. It doesn't work for source control. It doesn't oh, really? work for preventing infection. So, so it doesn't matter whether I'm wearing it to stop me from getting your germs or you're wearing it to stop your germs from being transmitted to me. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for infection prevention. It doesn't work for source control. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, seen, I've seen lots of uh, sort of like funny, funny little um, anecdotes about, you know, about people um, just, just trying to justify the mask issue. One was about something about like... Um, Oh God, I can't. I can't remember. I'm not going to do it justice, so I'll just I'll, I'll leave it there. It's um. I'll try to I'll try to find the the meme and put it in the no, in the show notes. But it is pretty funny. We've, we've all seen the videos that people posted of, of of themselves vaping through their mask, right? Yeah. So, so in other words, look look how completely permeable this stupid piece of cloth is. Do you really think it's going to stop aerosolized virus particles from from you know leaving my person? <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Yeah, the way I looked at it, it was like a you know a pair of pants doesn't stop a fart, does it? So is... yes, that, that's a that's a very good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I think at, at least this journalist here is actually asking the questions of the government, while at the same time trying to defend um, her beliefs on what actually worked and why she thinks that you know things weren't effective or why the mass mm. studies were were not powerful enough to to show why they worked and blah 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 but it's still it's still really um just reeks of of misinformation 
once again coming out of coming out of the age. So Yeah. Who would have thunk it? The age spreading misinformation. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's new. <laughs> But interesting, Alec. Anyway, so jump onto the show notes and give it a read. Uh, there's a whole bunch more sort of funny stuff in there, which um, I won't go through because it is quite a long article. Um, mm. Well, we jump onto the next story now. And this was a really interesting one this week. So um, some revelations came out about the the voice. And the voice isn't going well. As we said on last week's show, it's dropped to about 49% yes now, depending mm. on which on which poll you believe, but this is on a downward spiral. It has been since the start, just keeps getting less and less uh, support from the Australian public and most mostly. I think as, as, as Australians um, increasingly realise that that this is this is not what we've been sold, right? And yep. and that we're, we're not being given any details about what this, you know, what, what the voice actually is, what powers it's going to have. It, it's kind of like, oh, you just vote for it and then um, once you bring it in, we'll, we'll, we'll build it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't <Yep>. think so. <laughs> as, if, as if we trust the government <laughs> to do anything like that, given their past form. And they shouldn't ask for it in the first place. I mean, if you're going to propose a, an amendment to the Constitution and an entirely new body that, that has influence on Parliament, um, tell us all what who's going to be on it how will it be constituted and what are its powers and 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 does it actually fit within our constitution i mean yes i know they're asking for you know for a referendum to amend the constitution but but is it in keeping with the spirit of our constitution and also just just say the referendum um um were to succeed and i hope it doesn't but then there's a high court challenge and then and then um say it gets struck down but guess whose money goes toward defending the government's position in a high court challenge. That would be us. Yeah. <laughs> the government uses our money to defend their position in the high court. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, I mean, this thing's already, like, according to Pauline Hanson anyway, it's already cost $386 million so far. Yeah. And we're not even in the – we've only just gotten to the point where they've said we are going to vote. So. Yeah, yeah. And now the government uses our money to fund a massive propaganda campaign to persuade Australians to vote for this thing when they haven't even told us what it is. Yeah. The problem is too, if this is a if this is a good thing, we don't know. All we all we know is they're not being honest with us. And mm. why would anybody trust them now after the last three years of lies Indeed. upon lies upon lies? Maybe this is a good thing. We're just not getting the the right information. So, you know, and I do feel bad if that's the case. I'm pretty sure it's not a great thing because I don't believe in in racially um, separating Australia into into two main groups here. Um, while while I, I do feel for the First Nations um, after, you know, like it's funny to talk about because, as you know, most history is is tainted. So I'm not really sure what happened back then. I know that it wasn't as yeah. wasn't on the same par as a lot of other countries. Uh, let's say like uh, Mexico when the um, Spanish came in there and murdered everyone. But mm. at the same time, um, I think there needs to be at least acknowledgement of what happened back then, uh, which I think we have done. I think now the white yes. guilt, the white guilt is just sort of getting out of control in this country and around the world. Uh, Elbow seems the kind of guy who seems a little bit sensitive for that too. So he's probably likely to make a few rash, bad decisions based on his own white guilt. Mm. And one of the guys here who is one of the yes campaigners and apparently one of the architects of the voice has come out and said 
Um, so the the I'll just read the article anyway. The prominent voice campaigners' vision for Australia's for Aussies to pay the rent resurfaces. A prominent yes campaigner for the voice to Parliament says it's a step toward getting non-indigenous non-indigenous Australians to pay rent. So a leading yes campaigner for the voice to Parliament hopes it will be a step towards getting non-indigenous Aussies to pay the rent for living on Australian land. In a series of unearthed tweets from 2020, Thomas Mayo, who was the signatory of the Uluru Statement from the Heart, shared his vision of a new life of the yes vote passes. He said, black rep body enshrined in the constitution as called for the Uluru Statement would have the resources and structure needed to unite the priorities we collectively determined. Reparations, land back, abolishing harmful colonial institutions, getting all our kids out of prisons and into care, respect and integration of our laws and law, speaking language, wages back, all the things we imagined when, when we demanded, he wrote. Mm. So um, in response to someone calling for non-Indigenous Australians to pay the rent, Mr Mayo said, the way to do this was through the constitutionally enshrined representative body that the politicians cannot ignore. So that would be the voice. Paying the rent must be more than your donations to, strug to struggling mob, which is important. It must be negotiated with the Commonwealth, reparations, land back, etc. He said. So it's actually a Midnight Oil song too, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> pay, mm. pay, our pay, share, the pay the rent. Yeah. Yeah. So look, you got to agree with some of it, but then at the same time, we've seen how how this goes in places like South Africa, which had a, a, a terrible history of of racism which has yes. now gone completely the other way, given everything now, and now you see, well, I'm not even called reverse racism, it's just racism. It's it, it's just flat-out racism, correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're having farmers um, over there get their land taken off them, getting killed, yeah. um, some, some yeah. getting skinned alive apparently. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of questions. I mean, number one, um, who who is the, the rent to be paid to? A sovereign body of First Nations people. Who are these people? Who votes for them, right? Are they... Are they um, Aborigines or, you know, Indigenous people, Aboriginal people? I'm not even sure what they want to be called themselves. So I hope, you know, whatever you want to be called, let me know because I don't want to offend you. But people people living, you know, um, in Aboriginal communities, let's just say. I mean, you and I both live in Queensland, right? And so we, we know that there is still, um, uh, there, there's, there's an urbanised population of Aboriginal people. And then there's there's Aboriginal people who still live on country. Let's just say, okay, yeah. are we are we supposed to believe that their interests are the same, right? Because I don't, I I, I cannot see how how you could possibly argue that. So, um, how is this body to be constituted? Because from what I've seen, the people who are living in rural and remote areas in, in a more, let's just say, traditional setting, they don't actually back the voice. I mean, we, we've heard a lot of Aboriginal people, you know, not the least of whom is, is just enterprise, come out and say, no, I don't back this at all. This, this is a bad idea. Um, there, there's a there's a website that that she established, and I've I'm blanking on the name of it, but you can probably find it. Uh, that actually has messages from a lot of Aboriginal people saying, "Don't vote for the Voice. We don't want it. We think it's racist, and we don't think it will benefit us at all. Because where this money will go is to is not to the Aboriginal people, but to the Aboriginal industry. And yes, that's a thing." There, there is a, a huge Aboriginal industry that, that that largely consists of people who claim to be of Indigenous 
um, background, but but they they didn't grow up in Aboriginal communities. They don't actually speak any of these languages, or they certainly, um, if they if they've learned them, it was in later life. Uh, they haven't gone through any of the, you know, initiations or or whatever. Like they 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 live in urban areas, and quite frankly, many of them claim Indigenous ancestry. Let's just say because the welfare benefits are much greater. Yeah. You know, there's still greater ab study payment. Like uh, you, you still get more if you claim ab study than off study. Now, I can I I do think it's justified for someone to get. Um, a higher, uh, like a, a greater contribution to the university studies if they live in a really remote community and it's very costly for them to, you know, attend university or or uh, set themselves up to study remotely or whatever. How is it justified for a person living in an urban setting to to get higher or study payments? Like, what what's the rationale for that? Because they're one eighth or one sixteenth or one whatever the heck um, indigenous supposedly so they claim <laughs> yeah yeah I've, I've got a friend actually in melbourne who when he got his you know a 23andme um dna study done, came back that he was one sixteenth aboriginal which actually entitles him to to get on on an aboriginal benefit which yeah. he hasn't taken it up or anything like that but he just he was just like oh look, i can get this thing now like you know it would have yeah. it means he would have been able to get into a university a lot easier um a whole bunch of other yeah. stuff too, but he had Indeed. no idea. He had absolutely no idea. And you, you always see these these people that they don't look Aboriginal at all. Um, mm. You know, you're you're mostly white. Um, yes. Just and and this is it. Like they have no connection to country. They didn't grow up on on you know uh, anything that that you could honestly call Aboriginal land, as in uh, this. As in, in a setting where Aboriginal culture has been traditionally practiced and passed on down through the generations, they might have heard a few stories, but that's about it. Um, these, it'd be like, okay, so you know, my my husband is what um, a quarter Irish, okay, so can he now go claim reparations against the British government because because you know the English dispossessed the Irish of their lands? and, you know, oppress them and overtax them and starve them. So can he go claim reparations from the British government? I mean, where does this end? It's just completely ridiculous. Mm, yeah. Now, he's also yeah. half German. So so can, you know, can the people who were overrun by the Germans in the Second World War, can can they now claim reparations from, <laughs> from my husband because his ancestors oppressed their ancestors? I mean, you can see where all this is going. It, it, it's like it's like the um, it's like the the Californian legislation that now requires white Californians to pay reparate to pay reparations to black um, residents of California when California was always a free state. Yeah, never had. <laughs> Slavery. Who who is paying reparations to whom and on what basis? I know it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? Like you can make a claim as well. Like let's say uh, if you were Spanish, make it make reparations against against uh, Persia because they used to come and raid Spain and take slaves from. Yeah, great, from, great. Let's, let's bomb, 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 bomb around. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, how far? How far back? Do you want to take this? It, it just it reaches the point of absurdity very rapidly. Now, were there atrocities committed against Indigenous people in this country? Without a doubt. Were there atrocities committed against um, 
Indigenous people all over the place, without a doubt. I mean, again, let, let, let's go back to, to my example of, 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 of England. So um, whoever the original residents of England were, they, they were then overrun by the Picts, who were overrun by, um, by the Celts, who were overrun by the Angles and the Saxons, who were overrun by the Normans, um, and on and on and on it goes. So, you know, this is not a nice thing, but, but conquest is part of the human experience and it happens, you know, it, it has happened in every continent um, and the same goes for keeping slaves. I mean, who were some of the biggest slaveholders in the world? Africans, right? They ran a slave trade. So it was actually pretty easy for, for whites to, to enslave black people because they already had a slave trade going. Mm, <laughs> just yeah. bought, they just bought the black slaves from the black slave traders. They already yes. had a slavery business. It was very profitable. Thank you very much. So, again, I mean, this whole white guilt thing is as if, as if, you know, white people invented slavery. Oh, give me a break. Yeah. And the problem is nobody, I wouldn't say nobody, but I'd say majority of the population doesn't get on board with the whole white guilt thing. But the problem is they're too scared to say anything because they would be labelled as racists or whatever. Yes, so absolutely. It, it's, it's as bad as going along with it. It's as bad yeah. as believing this, it by not saying it, something about it. Yeah, this is why I'm actually really pleased to see initiatives like, like, well, I'm not sure if it was just Enterprise's initiative, but, but this, but this website, which um, we'll put in the show notes, right? I'll find it. Um, this, this website in which you know, um, Aboriginal people are speaking up and saying, please don't vote for the Voice. It's actually really bad for us. We don't want it. Yeah. So, so now you know you and I and other white folk can can point to them and say, no, we're not being racist. They actually don't want this. Yeah, yeah. I think we've we've both got the um the added advantage of not really caring what other people think. Though, don't we? So- I'm so far past that point. Like, <laughs> if you want to call me a racist, knock yourself out. As if I care. Yeah. As if I care. I know yeah. I'm not. So. Whatever whatever other people say say about me is none of my business. That was actually a book title. I can't remember who wrote that, but but yes, great book. Yeah, it doesn't really matter anymore because that that word has completely lost its meaning. So it has. It's yep. been stripped of all meaning. But yeah, this this Thomas Mayo, um, he's a he's an interesting cat, isn't he? I mean, he he is uh, quite openly um, communist in his attitudes. And um, this whole this whole statement from from the heart um, of Uluru, I I think you're probably aware of this, but and, and some of our listeners will be. But but for those who aren't, um, that that statement uh, statement from uh, what's what's its actual formal name? Hang on, give me a sec. I actually pulled something up. Um, the Uluru statement from the heart was actually just word for word taken from um, from a court decision in Zaire. Um, copied from a 1975 ruling of the International Court of Justice that concerned the people of the Western Sahara. The primary author of that passage, again, the passage that, that was basically copy-pasted into the Uluru Statement from the Heart, was a gifted jurist from Zaire, Nicholas Bayona Baymeyer, whose submission to the court was picked up and incorporated in the ruling handed down by Judge Fuad Amun, the court's Lebanese vice president. So 
Um, this this contribution or you know, basically plagiarization um, that made it into the Uluru Statement from the Heart was never acknowledged by by anyone who signed on to this, including this Thomas Mayo. Okay, so so this statement from the heart, well, yeah, like you didn't even write it yourself. So yeah. how am I to take this seriously as, as some sort of expression of Aboriginal beliefs? Well, yeah, it wasn't. It was it yeah. was a statement of African Indigenous yeah. belief. I'm there's some crossover. I don't rule that out. I mean, it would make sense, wouldn't it? But this was just blatant misrepresentation. Yeah, it sounds like he's got um, other things, other sort of you know agendas on his mind. It's a shame he didn't do it you know, in the last year. He could have got ChatGPT to write it up. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> indeed. I've, I've got I've got a um got a video here of him, um, and I actually haven't vetted this video too well, so. I might stop it if it's not that relevant, but it's just so it sort of shows a little bit about Thomas Mayo and his, his uh, political leanings. So, <clears throat> the people who stand with me on this stage, I regard as giants. Thomas Mayo. Thomas, Thomas Mayo. Mayo. Written a handbook called the Voice to Parliament Handbook. All the detail you need. Thomas Mayo is a signatory to the Uluru Statement from the Heart, but was also entrusted with the physical document. Mayo is part of the referendum working group. He spent 18 months travelling around Australia to garner support for an Indigenous voice to Parliament. And I tell you what, we are sick of governments not listening to our voice. We are going to use the rule book of the nation to force them. There is nothing more powerful than building a First Nations voice, a black institution, a black political force to be reckoned with. Keep going until we change the system, until we tear down the institutions that harm our people. And also to pay respects to the elders of the Communist Party, who I think, uh, without a doubt, have played a very important role in our activism. You know, this is the first step. It's a vital step. Pay the rent, for example. You know, how how do we do that in a way that is transparent and that it actually sees reparations and compensation to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? The power in the voice is that it creates the ability for First Nations to go forth with um, coherent um, positions on what legislation needs to be created, what legislation needs to be amended, and punish politicians that ignore our advice. This is a modest request. Authorised by Matthew Sheehan, Advance Australia, Canberra. The people. A modest request. Yeah. Yeah. As he okay. says with crocodile tears. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, again, I mean, this is so intrinsically racist because he's talking about a black voice. What? This speaks for everyone. So every, every black person or every person who traces their heritage to um, Indigenous Australians has the same ideas you can speak for them in 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 one voice really i mean is that not racist that's the ultimate in racism it's like this idea that all black people think the same and they all they all want the same thing no they don't and and to to um foster like to to promote the idea that they do is inherently racist it's like saying oh you know all all italians are like this and all greeks are like that and all lebanese people are like this no they're not they're people and yeah. all people inherently have human rights you know that's yeah. something the american constitution got right we hold these truths to be self-evident right we're all created equal equal but not same so you can't have a voice that speaks for all of these people that is an insane notion let them speak for themselves and since many of them are saying actually we don't want the voice let that let them be heard yeah
And as you say there, he speaks for the Communist Party. So um, it, it's, it is crazy because he, he seems like a very militant person. And every time you see that, it never, ever really works out very well. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 a person who is inherently attracted to power. And the whole notion of communism, which is that, you know, society progresses from this sort of bourgeois private ownership of property to to this intermediary point where where the state owns all property. Okay. And then the step beyond that is supposed to be that there is collective ownership of property, that the people become self-governing. How's that worked out in the past? right? What always happens in societies that, that give communism a whirl is you end up with, with the oligarchy being even more entrenched than it was when, when there was capitalism. So no, I'm sorry, Mr. Mayo, communism's been tried plenty of times. It is not in harmony with human nature. It's never worked. Never, never worked. worked and probably never will. Oh, but, that, so. but Mitch, that's just because the uh, that's because they didn't do it right. Yeah, <laughs> Give us right. another shot. We'll get it right this time. We won't murder gazillions of people in the process. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Everybody knows what it is, except the people who haven't quite figured it out yet. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And here we are. More racism. Yep. I mean, this is where it leads to as well in New Zealand, um, where this is a headline. Won't spend too much time on this because we should move on to the next story. But um, health professionals defend surgery waitlist tool that prioritizes Maori and Pacifica people in New Zealand. So they did their version of the voice a long time ago, where they've given enormous rights to Maoris, with a point where, let's say, if you're a Pakiha, as we're called over there, I am from New Zealand originally, so I can I can talk about this with a bit of authority. Um, you can go and let's say catch 10 fish um if you're a maori or a pacific islander you can go oh, actually i'm not sure about pacific islanders to be honest if you're a maori um you can catch as many fish as you want um they're giving land away at enormous amounts the, the social social sort of um housing system over there is out of control um it's it's a mess really that country and mm. i'm you know sorry to any kiwis watching this but i'm i'm very glad i don't live in new zealand anymore because mm. it's a it's gone down into a, a socialist uh, nightmare and people uh, are struggling there they really are and this is just another thing going to prioritize people for your race for surgery it doesn't matter how sick you are if you're um the right race you get treated first so yeah and so we should always ask ourselves the question when, when considering policies like this, um, how's it been working out so far? Okay, so you've you've got a you've got a system of government in New Zealand that that has, as you say, you know, um, I, I guess since the since the time of the Treaty of Waitangi, has given um, let's just say priority to to oh, it, I wouldn't say that across the board right but but certainly certainly since the establishment of New Zealand as a sort of modern um, democratic socialist state let's just say you know with a welfare system that welfare system has prioritized um, Maori people how's that working out for them are they doing really well in terms of you know life expectancy and education levels and you know average earnings no, they're they're doing they're doing worse than than white people who are given you know fewer fewer advantages or, or let's just say you know less welfare support. So, you know, let let's read our Thomas Sowell, shall shall we? 
you know, this this kind of of, of state provided support for for a oppressed group or a historically oppressed group doesn't actually benefit them. And this is what many Aboriginal activists have been saying for years. Stop giving us your freaking handouts and charity. It's destroying us. Yeah. Yeah. It goes to show a lot about what they're trying to do with universal basic income and everything yeah. like that. You start giving more to people, the less they try and the yeah, worse off. Exactly. And you, you see that now in the States. Like it's just gone to, it's like some war zone in a lot of these, especially these yeah. um, democratic states. Like, um, yeah. you know, look at Chicago and, and um, and all all these and I mean there was one that came out of um, out of Boston. Oh, no, it was Massachusetts somewhere. Um, I think it was Philadelphia actually, um, where there was just just a like on the way to the train station, there was just drug addicts because like Walking Dead walking around. It's a it's an absolutely shocking video. Um, yeah. this, this is what happens. You give people stuff. Yeah. I've, I, I saw I saw it happen in San Francisco, which was a city that I first visited um, in 1996, and I fell in love with it. It's 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 just you know the most spectacular city. I loved everything about it. And then I've been back there several years. Um, the last time I was there was um, uh, 2019, and every time that I went back, it had uh, fallen further in terms of just the homeless population, the open drug use on the street, the human refuse, you know, there's poo and pee and discarded needles. Um, It's an absolute mess. It's a ruined city. And so, you know, whatever you subsidise, you get more of. So if you're going to subsidise drug use and homelessness, you will get more drug use and homelessness. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more there. Um, I just wanted to finish that story off with just the the, um, first sentence here. It says, um, Pacifica Health Professionals are defending a new formula that uses ethnicity to prioritise patients for non-urgent surgery in Auckland, saying it will help address racism in the health system. So addressing racism by being racist. <laughs> yeah. No, it's entrenching racism in the health system. If you can't tell the difference, then you shouldn't have the gig that, that you have because you don't understand what racism is. Uh, no, Again, no, I mean, no, this no. is... This is this is 1984, isn't it? You know, um, the the control of language and the redefinition of words is really critical to the establishment of totalitarianism, and so the definition of racism has been completely gutted. So that you know what you and I grew up understanding racism to mean, which is it's a, it's a set of prejudicial attitudes that people have toward other people on the basis of their ethnic characteristics. So, you know, for example, you can't trust, I don't know, Arabs or um, all, all Italians are overly excitable or, I don't know, all the stereotypes, right? Um, and, and, and so racism can and is directed against people of any ethnic origin by people of any ethnic origin. That is the definition of racism. It's prejudice based on racial or ethnic characteristics. Race is ridiculous to even speak about because there aren't separate human races. There are different ethnicities. But anyway, now what we're told is that only white people can be racist 
and black people or Asian people or people of any other ethnic extraction, they actually can't be racist. And why? Because because they don't hold structural power or something like that, Um, which, which is just absurd on its face because when you've actually got protected groups who who obviously occupy positions of structural power, you know, for instance, um, um, that uh, uh, you you can commit all sorts of criminal acts if you're black in America, for instance, and you'll actually be be lauded by the press and you'll you'll get off scot free. But if you commit those same, same crimes as a white person, you've got the media all over you. And, and and the police going after you now um does that I'm, I'm not saying that there are no um racist attitudes within the police force what I am saying is very careful analysis of for example shootings of unarmed black people or white people by the police actually indicate that you're more likely to be shot by the police if you're an unarmed white person and an unarmed black person. Now, that has changed over the years because so much attention has been brought to bear on um, racism within the police force. But what I'm saying is that currently um, your, your, your risk of being shot as an unarmed black person is actually lower than your risk of being shot as an unarmed white person. Now, these are not statistics that, that are, that are um, shared around with the public because of racism, because yeah. there are protected classes and even the notion that there are protected classes based on ethnic characteristics, skin colour, um, you know, sex, gender or identification or whatever the heck, that whole notion of, of there being protected classes is is inherently um, anti-democratic because, because you're, you're basically giving more rights. You're saying that some people have more rights than other people. Again, I, I go back to this basic point. There aren't women's rights or black rights or, you know, Jewish rights or gay rights. There are human rights. Now, any any state that that abridges the rights of any group of people for whatever reason is infringing on human rights, okay? But likewise, any state that actually says that some group has more rights than others is also infringing on human rights. Yeah, definitely, right. definitely. Rant yeah. over. <laughs> That's where we need to get to as a human race is to realise it's human rights, like you're saying, and stop. Mm. We, we were getting there too. This is the most annoying thing. We were getting to yeah. a point where we were seeing like, oh, you know, if you're if you're black, who cares? Uh, if you're gay, who cares? Nobody cares. Nobody that cares. Judge not on the colour of their skin but on the content of their yeah. character. And nobody gives a shit anymore. But they've, yeah. they're trying to make it, I don't know, they're trying to, bring it back is it incompetence it's funny you say yeah what would you call it Han- hanlon's razor hanlon's razor yeah. um hanlon's razor is never ascribed to malice what what can be adequately um attributed to incompetence yeah there's a really interesting interview on uh the high wire this week where he interviews scott atlas who was the doctor that was working with donald yes. trump and pretty amazing to hear him talk about the whole covid um what do they call it the I can't remember what they the actual name of the team was, but it had Deborah Burks and and Fauci, and it had the old CDC director. Um, but he was just saying he was yeah. yeah Red Redfield. He was just saying he was shocked by the amount of incompetence in that group, and he like it's 
it's true. Like these these governments, the people working in them are just lifetime bureaucrats and they yeah. are incompetent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a question, isn't it? You know, at what at what point does at what point does does so much incompetence pile up that that you you just have to wonder, can any human being or can any, you know, committee of human beings really be that incompetent? And like it's yeah, it, that's a that's a very very hard distinction to draw between flat out incompetence and 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 malice. Um, I, I I guess you know my my take on this is that if they were merely incompetent, every now and again they would accidentally make a decision that kind of tilted in a in 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 a beneficial direction, like beneficial to to us, the regular people. The fact that that all their you know, bad, stupid, illogical, irrational, non-evidence-based decisions tilt in a direction that's not in our favour says to me there's something beyond incompetence. That they, they they never accidentally get something right that actually offers us benefit. Yeah. They all all of their all of their bad, stupid decisions end up to our detriment detriment. Can you ascribe that merely to incompetence? Yeah, I I that that's a stretch for me. I I know Atlas really does favor the incompetence. Um argument but but you only have to look at deborah burks's history i mean she's she's military right um and she her her history with with redfield goes way back they worked together on the um hiv vaccine and uh they he he certainly was was accused of uh research fraud with respect to that um HIV vaccine. I, I don't. I don't know if she was ever implicated in that research fraud. But the mere fact that someone who was found to to have been involved in research fraud then manages to get himself appointed as director of the CDC. Again, you know, I I, I cannot ascribe this merely to incompetence. The man has proved himself to be a liar, and yet yes. he gets promoted. So there's a malicious force behind that. That's a prerequisite, though, and this is this is why I make an a argument for incompetence and um, corruption because the people that are in charge aren't these people. They are the people that take the orders from the people that are in charge. And the more corrupt okay. and incompetent yeah. they are, the yep. easier it is to to make these stands. You have people in yep. there who know what they're doing and are smart. They're less likely that they're going to take orders from above, which is why they didn't like Trump. Not saying that um, Trump's the greatest person in the world either, but at, at least he was someone that um they were afraid of because he was his yeah. own person yes and 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 more to the point he has for reasons that i still find somewhat um bemusing he has that common touch so you know i i i think um i think whitney webb's take on this is pretty accurate they don't really they don't really fear and despise trump as much as they fear and despise his base and so, yeah, Trump's an outsider. He's he's not in their club. He's brash. He's, you know, he didn't go to the right universities. Blah blah blah. Um, he doesn't know how to behave among among this predator class. So, so you know, that's a reason to hate him and, and despise him from their point of view. But I don't I don't think that explains the, the the campaign against Trump. It's the fact that that the ordinary working class people. Of, of America, and that includes blacks, whites, Hispanics, um, you know, females, males, whatever, right? Um, the the ordinary kind of, what would you call them? Kind of like the the backbone of America, 
um, was attracted to Trump, thought you know, perceived perceived that he was he was kind of speaking truth to power, rightly or wrongly, who knows? Um, but the actions that are directed against Trump really are directed against those people, against the you know the backbone of America. That's that's how Whitney Webb expressed it, and I, I heard her say that and thought, my God, you're you're spot on. This isn't about Trump. It's about the people who vote for Trump. Definitely. And you can relate this back to the, the story we just talked about as well, can't you? Because I think the reason why they're getting so butthurt about it, the no vote being higher now is because they know the people aren't stupid anymore and they are waking up to the, the government the government crap. And it's a real, mm. I think they must be scared. They must be really scared. They can't, yeah. just, they can't just pull the wool over our eyes anymore. And we're going to see a propaganda campaign like no other funded oh, by yeah. our taxpayers' dollars. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's the best when you're paying for it too, the propaganda yeah, you're awesome. getting fed. Um, I'm going to go through one more story because um, I know you've got a runoff not not too far. So yes, I will... Sorry, I keep going off track, Mitch. Pull me back on. Feel free. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> so, you know, let's just, let's just let, let the uh, conversation go where it goes. But... Um, we'll discuss the next story anyway. Uh, this is about Daniel Andrews and Victoria and lobbyists. So it's there's a, a couple of stories here I want to bring up. I'm just going to go for the first one here, which is from The Age, and it's called Cannot Be Trusted, Labor Stops Attempt to Strengthen Lobbyist Laws. So a bid to ban lobbyists from serving on public boards in areas that relate to their line of work has been knocked back in Victoria as the Andrews government rejected the attempt to strengthen lobbying laws in line with recommendations from the corruption watchdog. Big surprise. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm shocked, I tell you, Mitch. I'm shocked. <laughs> I know. It's insane, isn't it? It's, it's just crazy. I'm shocked too, to be honest. Before Daniel Andrews is a real stand-up kind of guy. Um, oh, totally. <laughs> the Independent Broad-Based Anti-Corruption Commission tabled a special report in February that found former Labor Minister Theo Theopanis had misused his position to lobby for $31 billion super city in Melbourne's West for Chinese back consortium. It's um, Dan's mates, the Chinese. Um, so what they've said here is they aren't going to enforce this, but they're going to go with it in principle, which means nothing, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, principle. Yeah. Can they spell that word? In principle. Oh, it's it's all right. We don't, need to, we don't need to put it into law. We'll just... We just, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, yeah, and this, this comes off the back of the so fresh doubts on Victoria's Mikey overhaul contract, the second failed bidder urges review. So here you have two bidders, one with the experience that was needed, who had a cheaper bid, and one that didn't have the experience that was needed with a more expensive bid, hmm. going for the new tap-on system in, in uh, Victoria's public transport system. Mikey mm. was a disaster in itself because it mm. should have done was a it? bunch of stuff. Yeah, I, I, know, cost, I know nothing about yeah, this. This cost this billions of dollars. Um, yeah. hard to hard to use. Didn't work a lot of the time. Big surprise. Um, this this reminds me of um, was it was it Dominic? No, it's Matt Matt Hancock giving the contract for supplying PPE to to um to the owner of his favorite pub. I mean, yeah. It's on, it's on that level. Seriously, that happened. It's on that level, isn't it? Oh, my 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 mate, my mate reckons he could he could do that. Has he ever done it before? No, but he reckons he could. I don't, I don't think they see anything wrong with it. It's gotten to the point now where they're just lifetime politicians. This is how it's always yeah. been done. So they're like, oh, it's nothing that hasn't been done before. This is what everybody does. 
which is the problem. This is why it's so in our face now. It's so open. I mean, you'd go go back 20, 30 years, this stuff would be, you know, the headline story um, because it's full corruption. I mean, you look at, yeah, look at you, things you, like... Yeah, you raise a really important point. I mean, um, both the the so-called press and the population are so inured to this. Like people just shrug their shoulders and go, yeah, what would you expect? They're lying, you know, corrupt politicians. We already knew that. Yeah. They they don't yeah. they don't they don't get roused by this. No, they don't get I, roused at all. You look at look at things like Watergate. Like Watergate yeah. was such a big story back then. Stuff like that happens yeah. every week now. Yeah. You know, absolutely. look what's happening over there with Hunter Biden and and, yeah. and Joe yeah. Biden right now. It's just being yeah. This is it's yeah. bigger than Watergate and it's just being shoved under the carpet. 100%. Well, well, Watergate, of course, was a total snow job, but that, that's a whole other We'll do a podcast on that one day. Um, yeah, no, you're 100% right. Like people just shrug their shoulders. And part, part of this is 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 the, the lack of attention that's paid to it by the media. But, but part of it is just also, again, you know, we're, we're just so totally inured to this. We, we just have this basic presumption that that the people who who presume to govern over us are, are all just, you know, completely corrupt, venal, lying mongrels. We just expect it. And so we accept it. Yeah, we expect it. We shouldn't. You know, Edward Snowden came out um, 10 years ago now and said that the government was spying on us using sophisticated, uh, you know, phone hacking techniques that were recording everything, which was always a conspiracy theory. It comes out. It was shocking for a week, and now it's expected that they that they spy on us. So, Oh, they're doing it for our protection, though, Mitch. It's all good. Of course, of course. I mean, this, it, this, from this article here, it says, the global company that lost the major contract has accused the Victorian government of asking it to make its pitch to run Mikey uh, more expensive. An extraordinary letter that raises the questions about the value for money of the $1.7 billion deal to overhaul the ticketing system. So they were asked to make it more expensive. And they were mm. like, what? Why? Mm. Um, and then they still lost it after that. Didn't so, make it expensive enough by the looks of it. <laughs> so we, 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 we can provide you a product that works, a service that works at a great price and it's really easy to use. No, we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, we want it more expensive and we're going to go with these guys because they paid us more. In the back, in the backroom deals, probably, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. to do with the, yeah, probably to do with lobbying, really, isn't it? So, um, yeah. and this, yeah, as Daniel it. Andrews gives himself another pay rise and mm -hmm. remains the highest paid premier after being awarded this pay rise, yep. so yep. he's now it's, on four hundred eighty-one thousand one hundred ninety dollars, which is what double what the PM makes. What does the PM make? Two, I think two fifty, but that was a while back. So, yeah. yeah. So not 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 quite double, yeah. It's just it, absolutely extraordinary, isn't it? it is. is we 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 live in we live in clown world. We live in clown world. Yeah. So okay. On the, I mean, I I, I know we don't really have time to go into the forever chemicals thing, but but let, let's just summarize this. Um, the the government lets corporations. Uh, put really toxic chemicals in your food and your clothes and your water and your building materials and your kids' school, and they do absolutely nothing about it because they love you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course they do. Look, we may, we may as well. alarm. Oh, my God. <laughs> like highest excess death rate since the, the Second World War, basically, but we want to alarm people. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's go through that. So you got highest excess death rate, 
you've got a lockdown system which caused mental health issues. I, I almost included a an article about the epidemic of alcoholism um, yeah. today, which is quite shocking. You, you know, doctors and hospitals seeing incredible amounts of people coming in with just alcohol poisoning. You know, girls that have can't remember where they've been. Um, lots of people ordering like Uber Eats pretty much now, just getting food yep. delivered to their doors. Yep. The government interventions, of course, such harm. And mm. now it's, you see the financial stuff coming up. They're trying to like cut rents back, which is going to create a housing crisis. It's going to create like a crisis yep. of, of, of building as well, which we spoke about with Peter a couple of weeks back. Yep. Um, yep. All, the, all these cover-ups and you've got the lobbyist stuff. You've got corruption there. And then you've got this last one, which we will go into because we do have a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, what the heck, hey? Let's, yeah. So officials tried to change study on cancer spikes to avoid undue alarm, which they say undue alarm. So health officials asked university researchers to remove references about potential community concern over elevated levels of, um, sorry, rates of cancer found in towns contaminated with forever chemicals, even as the federal government was def defending multi-million dollar litigation over the pollution. So and once again, I know, I know I'm, 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 I keep coming back to this point, defending multi-million dollar litigation with taxpayers' money, okay? Yes. So using taxpayers' money to try to prevent payouts to people who had been harmed by these chemicals that they're now trying to hose down concern over. Yeah, your government, your taxpayers' dollars hard at work king you over. And the only reason this is in the newspaper like this, because it was an independent study and they didn't want to go with the recommendations of the government on this. So this is to do with mm -hmm. a chemical called PFAS. So, yep. um, and this is used by the defense industry to put out fires or something like that. Um, but there's a line down here. Um, in anonymized emails released to the Herald, uh, a bureaucrat told the researchers it was counterproductive to mention it throughout the report that residents may be concerned over elevated rates of adverse health outcomes in their communities. The department suggested researchers highlight the significance of null findings and say the study found no consistent links between PFAS contamination and the health outcomes observed. So where this sounds familiar to the whole vaccine issue too. Oh, let's just say yep. there's no links because, you know, it'd be inconvenient. It would scare people from taking the vaccine. Yeah. Same stuff, isn't um, it? It's also really reminiscent of what's going on in the US with the with the fluoride case where you know, the, the relevant um, department has sort of sat on releasing their report about the toxicity of fluoride and in particular its its negative impact on the IQ of children. And then kind of like at the 11th hour, they say, oh, look, we've, we've got a new study uh, that that our bloke down there in California who's like on our payroll, that, that he made this, says, fluoride is great and it's really good for you and, no, it doesn't make children stupid, so keep on drinking your fluoridated water. Yeah, it's just, it, it's saying crap different day isn't it I, yeah. I i don't know folks if you still think the government is there to help you and make your life better I, mitch and i we don't know how to help you <laughs> you're a lost no. cause no. No. <laughs> sorry yeah uh, we'll go back to reagan's quotes you know the scariest words you can hear come out of the is the uh, i'm from the government and i'm here to help <laughs> We're so. here to help you <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, yep. words to life. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so is there anything else you want to add to the story? Because if not, we might as well call it a day. 
Yeah, I what what would I add to this? I would say okay, just just to loop back around to to the start and your your um your pre-show announcements. Um getting getting involved with with Community Connect, I think is is probably the most important thing that you can do for partly for your sanity because like, you know, every every week we get on and we talk about all this terrible stuff that's going on. That's why it was so nice to have Brioni on, you know, a couple of weeks ago to talk about her her app, which I think is such a good solution, the um um Inkaberry app. So the, these are the things that we need to be focused on. We need to be focused on building community. We need to be focused on um ensuring that we we have a bunch of people that were in regular face-to-face contact with that that can help us with all the basic needs of living you know we need food we need um education and socialization for our for our children we um we, we need social contact ourselves we we need a reliable energy supply and i mean that's again I, that, that's a whole other topic of conversation but um these are all things that people can start working on you know in their in their local communities and um I, I, I it's just so important for our sanity to have that connection because we are we are just swamped by this tsunami of bad news ridiculous news um the the insanity of 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 you know men with penises competing as women in bike races and swimming races and and god knows what else weightlifting i mean for crying out loud um although although some of that's a joke <laughs> or like a deliberate stunt to to call attention to how ridiculous it is when a man with a penis competes in a women's powerlifting contest so yeah we're we're just and and i cannot help but but think that this deluging of, of us with with all this um absolute insanity is really intentional this is demoralization this is this is intended to get people to the point where they they read about the corruption in the victorian government shrug their shoulders and go yeah what would you expect they're a bunch of blind sobs yep yep and i think you know having this community connect um evenings as well they're amazing and i'm thinking about um now that life settled down a lot for me now i really want to connect with people in the in the queensland southeast queensland area so yeah if there is anybody who is keen to come to these things please email me on podcast at standupnowaustralia.com.au i wouldn't mind getting something started up here because i think these telegram groups are great and um but in the end they, they lack human connection um the next best thing is getting on a call and talking face to face with someone on zoom but the very best thing is getting together and that is the ultimate plan yeah that's the plan of these community connect things is to get people together and share you know not just to talk about how bad things are and stuff but to come up like you're saying to come up with solutions like brioni was saying um where can Mm. we find food um who's growing this i can stop you this Mm. i can i can do this Mm. for you um even things like you know who's got a lawnmower um i need a lawn yeah. for the weekend can i borrow yours yes yeah, wait no worries absolutely you know? no i i love the idea of of you know uh, uh tool tool and equipment libraries you yeah. know um where where people share the things that that they've got for the benefit of all um yes yeah and where, whether that's just an informal 
you know, sharing network or whether it's formalized into in into a like a community exchange type network where where you pay in in um favors that that's how the the let's network in Australia goes they well they have various different names for the for the currencies sometimes they're just called favors so so you know you pay a certain number of favors to hire you know Fred's lawnmower um and then Fred pays a certain number of favors to buy you know Marge's sweet potatoes and then Marge pays you know, Sasha to get a haircut with a certain number of favors. And so, you know, you you uh, escape the the sort of stranglehold of of, of government fiat currency. Yeah. Um, but but you're not confined just to a barter system. Yeah, yeah, mm. I, li- I like that. It's tokenizing the the yeah. um, the system, which is which is good. Yeah, you know, until someone fractionally creates a fractional reserve system of the tokenized system, <laughs> well, you know. Wait a couple of hundred years for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's our positive note to leave to, to leave things on. Get involved in community connect. Get to know people in your in your lo- local area. Start working on on solutions to all of these problems that are that are being hurled at us from all sides by by the predator class, by the powers that shouldn't be, by they them those. Yes, definitely, definitely. Good to finish on a uh, a, a positive note. And uh, once again, <laughs> thank you again for joining me today and I um, hope everybody out there uh, enjoyed the live stream. Um, I'm not sure how well it looked because we did improvise by <laughs> live streaming through Zoom and not my usual software. You MacGyvered it. Yeah. MacGyvered but, it. Yep. <laughs> held together by rubber bands and battle box sticks and a bit of duct tape. <laughs> yeah, a couple of paper clips too. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, I'll I'll catch up with you again soon, Mitch. Bye, bye to everyone who, who joined us live and is watching the replay. All right. So we are not hey. live anymore. <laughs>